0: If money affects your life in any way, Money Making Sense will talk about it. Be financially healthy, wealthy, and wise. Here's your host, Heather Kelly.
1: Welcome to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, we're talking about divorce. Actually, do you have enough money to get a divorce, especially if there's abuse in the relationship? Joining me today is Stacy Francis. is a certified divorce financial analyst with Francis Financial. So welcome to the show, Stacy. Thank you so much, Heather. I'm happy to be here. First of all, I want to address, I have never heard this title before, Certified mm. divorce financial analyst. So, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm guessing the title explains itself, but maybe you can just go a little more into detail about that.
0: Yeah. What, what do those people really do? So, um, I, I'm a certified financial planner, which is means that I work with individuals for ongoing financial planning, investment management, but I have a specialty in divorce and that is a certified divorce financial analyst. I, I received my designation. I was one of the first to, to get it in the country. I, I'd say about. I don't know, 18 years ago, maybe even more. But I have a unique role where I work one-on-one with women who are thinking about or going through the divorce process. And I am essentially their gatekeeper to make sure that they're making good financial decisions, that we understand what all the assets are, what they look like, that they have the full information about their divorce so they can make good decisions.
1: That is very,
0: very important
1: because... As we're going to get into, a lot of times women feel like they can't leave the marriage at all because they either don't understand finances, they've never had to pay bills, anything like that. Maybe they got into the marriage hoping somebody would take care of them in that way. But how do you start teaching someone and do it fairly quickly so they can get out of an abusive relationship?
0: Yes. And actually, this is something that is, is really quite close to home for me. My, my grandmother was in an abusive relationship and it was physically abusive. It was emotionally abusive. It also was fiscally, financially abusive. And so often the biggest piece that's holding women back on being able to leave is feeling financially trapped. And Heather, that's actually what she shared with me of why she never left. And it became so violent that she ended up passing away. So, you know, that actually experience um completely changed my life. It taught me the importance as a woman of being financially power empowered and financially knowledgeable. And it also taught me the complexities that sometimes you can't just leave. It's There's so much more that goes into it. And the time when she is thinking about leaving or in the process of doing so is actually the most dangerous time for her. So this is definitely not something to be taken lightly. We have seen the number of of women in abusive marriages skyrocket, uh, particularly during COVID. So unfortunately, it's a topic that more and more women are are dealing with. And the the first piece is to try and reach out to uh, a, a shelter, um, the uh, domestic violence national helpline, so that you can get that information um, to start to protect yourself as you prepare to leave. And, you know, for any of you listening today, if you're not sure if you're being abused and it's unclear, most likely you are. And you don't have to have bruises to show that um, it could be financial abuse. It can be emotional abuse, but no woman deserves that.
1: Yeah, I think some of the signs, especially if it's emotional abuse, that is harder to identify even to yourself. Because if you're being exposed to emotional abuse, you're just worn down so much. It's just, it's normal, especially if you were raised, if your parents, your father might've been abusive to your mother, that's just normal to you. And it's very, very hard to understand, but I think maybe we should go over some of the signs, especially about financial abuse. How is it that you can identify, oh yeah, that's me. I need to get some help.
0: And I'm glad that you brought that up, Heather, because- we don't really talk about financial abuse. Um, most people don't know what it is. And so if this is something that um, you see in your own life or a friend or a family member, so that person, their spouse is controlling, very controlling of the money. She, and I'm saying she because I, we tend to work with women, she is on a very strict budget. Anytime there is a purchase, it is having to be okayed or the husband is notified. Often uh, we see that anytime there's a purchase on her credit card, he's getting a notification of that. She doesn't have full access, uh, nor does she have transparency into the income or assets of the marriage. There's times even when we've seen that her paycheck, even as the breadwinning person in the marriage goes to her account and then is quickly swooped over. To an account that's in his name with her not being able to have access to that. Abuse can occur when there's financial fraud and, you know, she's being taken advantage of and marital assets are being used for gambling, for an addiction, for uh, a girlfriend. These are all situations. There's many more too, where it is financial abuse. And we know that often financial abuse can turn into physical abuse. So you, you really have to realize and come to terms that, that this is the situation either you are facing or a dear family friend.
1: Yeah, especially if you start questioning where is the money of my paycheck going? What are you using it for? Why do you need that information? Like if you get actually get to the altar and maybe none of these conversations came up and you finally get married and then the husband's like, oh, we're married now. I need your social security number. I need your bank accounts. If you start questioning that, that a lot of times that is when the person starts becoming violent.
0: Exactly. And when, when she is, exerts her power, or tries to leave. And yeah, so there have been situations we've worked with women where there it's been ongoing financial abuse. She's been completely cut off from the finances, finding herself unable to pay for groceries at the store because she is given cash and it's nowhere near enough money to be able to do so. And confronting her abuser, turning into a strangling situation waking up from being unconscious with the police there and her children standing over her crying, who who called the police. You know, these are stories that you hear that are heartbreaking, but unfortunately they happen all around the country every single day, all around the world.
1: And Really quickly, I do want to touch on, I know you mentioned you're just mentioning women because you mostly deal with women, but it can happen to men as well. Yes. It's not not as often, but especially if you're in a same-sex relationship. It can happen to with two men, it can happen with two women, and it can happen with men and women, both directions. But yes. women most often are the ones that encounter this just because of our society and the way it's evolved.
0: Yeah, no, I, 100%, Heather, and this is really important for everyone to know. We actually are working with a gentleman right now who did come out of a financially abusive marriage the breadwinning person was his wife he has a, had a career to be able to be home with the kids more often and you know very very accomplished in his own right but again extremely financially abusive so really important and the other thing to know is I think that many of us have that myth in our mind that financial abuse occurs in lower income households. And I have to tell you, Heather, we tend to work with very, very high net worth individuals. We're talking two, four, 10, 30 million dollars. That it's just as prevalent, just as prevalent in those relationships because it's not necessarily about the money, how much there is or the lack of it. It's about control. Yeah, And just realizing that this is just another way, money is just another way of exerting control over their spouse. That's really all it is.
1: Okay. We need to take a break. When we come back, we will go more into looking at the signs of financial abuse, because I think that's the most important key to this is understanding what the signs are and recognizing oh that is happening to me if it is so we'll be right back with stacy francis she's a certified divorce financial analyst at francis financial Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show that it affects your life in any way money-wise. We're talking about it. Today, we're talking about how you can leave an abusive relationship if you feel like you have a lack of money. Joining me today is Stacy Francis. She is a certified financial divorce analyst, which that's hard to say, but I'm glad there is one. I didn't know there was, but it sounds like it's definitely needed. I wanted to give a scenario I know you said if you're not sure if you're in an abusive relationship or not, but this friend, she met a guy they dated for about seven, eight months. They had a lot in common, seemed great, They getting ready to get married. And three days before the wedding, he presents her with a quit-claim-deed type thing because he had property and made her sign a piece of paper that said, You will not be ownership of this property. You can't inherit it when I die. Nothing. And she A never even thought about the property. It wasn't even anything she considered would be hers necessarily, but all of a sudden she's being presented with this and she almost called off the wedding. She wound up going ahead and getting married and they had some rough patches. They seem to be doing better now, but could that be a signal of you like that first sign of financial abuse?
0: Yeah, I would say that. You know, that there definitely are a lot of things to be aware of. Sometimes someone will say the same thing about a prenuptial agreement that it's given to them just a few weeks or, God forbid, in in her case, a few days before the marriage, essentially trying to pressure someone into signing a document that truly should be looked upon with, you know, separate legal counsel and, and time to, to review it. Yes. And the other thing that we find is that one of the spouses will put their hand up and say, Hey, you know, I know how busy you are. I know you don't like really dealing with the finances. You know what? I will go ahead and take care of everything. And it's often very, you know, maybe well-meaning, maybe not, but the person who says, sure, that sounds fine. And it's kind of a divide and conquer. You're going to do that. I'll work on some other things to to help us in our marriage, especially if there are children. And over time, there's more and more control that's taken over, The money and making sure that, you know, that person might have access to each other's bank accounts and passwords. And then sometimes those passwords are changed so that the, what we call out spouse no longer has access to the financial accounts and that information is, is not shared. So there are a lot of things to, to really watch out for, you know, not allowing you to have money that is your own credit cards in your own name, um, bank accounts in your name alone withholding money or their income, their paycheck from you, or asking you to verify or validate, justify expenses, making sure that you're staying within a a spending limit. And it doesn't matter whether you're earning the money or not. Controlling you in that capacity is, is not right. We've even seen some spouses trying to control their spouse's work and sabotaging their career, uh, just another way of trying to exert control, hoping that if their spouse can't have an income, that the abusers have more capacity to be able to exert control over them. So a lot of things to, to think about. And I think the challenge is, is that financial abuse is not technically a crime. And so often we as individuals, as survivors, and we like to say survivors, not victims, we don't realize that. And often we are in very unhealthy relationships. So we look to ourselves and blame ourselves because we've been told by our spouse that, well, you don't have access because you can't be trusted or you're not good enough numbers. Or there are many stories that, that have been told in the past, but it can be a very confusing situation for someone living through it.
1: I do want to go back to you talked about splitting up the duties in a marriage. And Mm -hmm. I think that's also very healthy. Like some person, one of the people in the marriage may be better mowing the lawn, taking care of the physical stuff or the other person, they may not like it, but they're like, okay, fine, you do that. Cause I I really don't want to mow the lawn either, but I'll, I'll scrub the toilets, whatever. But as far as the money is concerned, It's fine if one person wants to be in charge of paying the bills, but I always recommend that once a week that you have sort of like a money date night. And all you need to do is just sit down with your spouse and say, okay, so where are we? So I know you paid all the bills, but how much went out? What do we have left? do we have any savings do we have a 401k plan how is that looking just spend half an hour with your spouse and go okay so thank you so much for taking care of all that but you need to like just give me a brief overview of what's going on and what we have and showing the documents about it yeah
0: yeah i agree with you heather we we definitely encourage we, we again we call them financial date nights it's really important that even if you're not the one who has the primary responsibility for long-term investing, financial planning, and bill payment, that you're looped in. And even if you have the most wonderful of marriages, eight out of 10 women are going to end up on their own, having to make financial decisions on their own, whether it is, unfortunately, their their spouse passing away before them, or it's a divorce. And so it's a it's not a nice-to-have, it's a must-have. And we tend to be a group here at Francis Financial where we work with women who haven't really been involved in the finances. And I will tell you that she's going through one of the most traumatic periods of her time, a divorce or death. And now she has a tsunami of financial decisions and is trying to get up to speed with what the assets are, what their income is, what their spending looks like. And I will tell you, Heather, it is phenomenally overwhelming and it breaks my heart it really does because she's struggling with the grief of a divorce the grief of a the loss of her spouse the death of her spouse and you know having to face some some really difficult learning to to get her head around the whole financial picture
1: let me ask you since you talked about the death of a spouse what about the sort of financial relationship between a parent and an adult child, especially if the the parent who took care of most of the finances, they've died. And now you're left with most likely the mother, the elderly mother. And she has no idea what to do. And so the adult child tries to step in and help out. Do you see that and that becoming financial abuse?
0: Yes. Well, we can see it. In fact, um, financial abuse, today we're talking about between Spouses, but financial abuse happens very, very frequently between family members, and it often can be children taking advantage of their parents, and it can be the other way. But more frequently, we'll see uh, someone that is all of a sudden, you know, dad's not there anymore, and so they're helping, they're stepping in to help mom, and you know, we. We had a situation where the daughter came to the mom and said, dad died. I want my inheritance early. Mm. And they're no longer speaking. Oh, wow. Um, You know, dad would have left me money outright. I don't know why he left it all to you. This is her maternal mother. That was her paternal father. You know, money, I will tell you, Heather, you know this. Mm-hmm. And, and I know all of your listeners have experiences in their life where, They've seen that money can, can change the way that people behave. Normally well behaved, you know, well mannered, polite, kind people. When you put money in the equation, I don't know. It, it just can really unfortunately create, create some, some problems. And so, yes, we do see, uh, children stealing from their parents. I've worked on estates where the executor of the state, the daughter, Decided to go on a shopping spree, but not just a shopping spree—a five hundred thousand dollar shopping spree, using the the actual assets of the estate. You know, excluding it and making sure that her brother and sister did not know about this. Well, we figured it out, but yeah. So I, I'm I'm glad you bring that up because financial abuse can exist in a lot of different areas that we don't. We wouldn't call it that. We don't necessarily recognize in that same way.
1: Yeah. And in that case, the daughter went on the $500,000 shopping spree. I would consider that greed. I mean, it is a form of abuse, but it's like her own greed. Whereas a lot of the other examples we've been giving that is just about control over other people in your life. If you, you know, you have to have that control. One thing to mention is most of the time I have discovered the people who demand that control or have this... Overwhelming need for it is because they have the lowest self esteem you can ever have, and so their self esteem is so low they feel if they control somebody else it will lift them
0: up somehow. Yeah, yeah. And Heather, it can be very difficult for the survivor to have a rational decision with that rational conversation with that person, the the abuser, because they don't they often don't see what they're doing is wrong. So for this woman, you know, why would she take $500,000? Well, she was the, you know, she was the caretaker of her mom. And so she felt like, you know what? My brother and sister, they barely did anything. I deserve this because I took mom to her appointments. I, you know, had Sunday lunch with her. And so what happens is often the abusers, they rationalize it. They have their story and that was her story. Other stories might be, my spouse is not good with money. They're not responsible with money. And they can really even further back down, be saying to themselves in their brain, if they have money, they'll leave me. Right. And so you're just not, you're not working with someone who is, is able to really admit that their behavior is wrong and it's not until you bring in a mental health expert that they're willing to work with, that they can look at this behavior and and really hopefully be able to make some changes.
1: Before we go, I know that you said the first step for anybody to get out of an abusive relationship, whether it's physical, mental, or financial abuse, which I see most of the time, if there's physical abuse, there's also financial abuse. But what's the first place you'd mention that people should turn to to get help to get out of this relationship?
0: So there's a, a wonderful hotline, um, and it's, I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you for it being in show notes as well. It's a domestic violence hotline and it's one eight hundred seven nine nine. 799 Then the word safe, S-A-F-E. So one eight hundred seven nine nine 799 safe. Um, another great resource is Safe Horizon it's a fantastic uh, organization that uh has a they actually have a 24-hour helpline they are a power victims and survivors to find safety support to be able to leave and so that's another great resource as well and if you want any more information about financial abuse the story that i shared about my grandmother as heartbreaking as it is the good that it has done is that it Really gave me the motivation to start a charity in her name and savvyladies.org. Uh, we have a helpline, a financial helpline. We have, you know, just dozens and dozens of blogs and articles, many different videos specifically on financial abuse and domestic violence. So please reach out and go to savvyladies.org. It's a great website to help you as well. It's all Free pro bono. It's a 501c3, and we're there to to help you as well.
1: Assuming that the person is not in physical danger, do you recommend women try to get a little bit of finances education before they leave or just get out and then deal with it after?
0: Realistically, it takes time as much as we, as you know, women who maybe have not dealt with this ourselves. It sounds very easy just to be able to leave, but most women can't and often don't even have access money for a taxi, let alone somewhere to be able to to live and safely be able to remove their children. So yes, women typically do plan for quite some time, putting money aside in an account in their own name so that they can have the resources to actually be able to leave. Because the worst thing that could ever happen is that you leave and are 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 forced to come back into what will be even more violent and dangerous situation. So, you know, reaching out to those two helplines is really important. They can help you also with housing, with additional monies and and vouchers to help you to be able to leave in a safe place. Because you also need to make sure that you're leaving and you're in a place where your abuser cannot find and cannot have access to you
1: thank you so much again you are stacy francis you're not only a certified financial planner but you're a certified divorce financial analyst and you also have the organization savvy where people can turn to to get more information thank you
0: Twitter and Instagram.